0: Good morning everyone, glad to see you here this morning. As the kids are being dismissed, go ahead and take your Bibles with me and turn to the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 25, Psalm chapter 25. psalm chapter 25 we're going to be looking in verses 4 to 10 but before we do that as a way of introduction i'd just like to talk a little bit why this psalm was written of course most likely your bible has titled this as a psalm of david so we know that this was written by king david and as we look at this psalm as we look at the the, it's about david trusting god now There were many times in David's life that he trusted God. Uh, When you think about a man who lived the life that he lived, many times David faced death. Probably unlike any of us would ever kind of imagine in the day in which we live. But David was a man who understood death. He He faced it and he was able to deal with it. And that the reason he was able to deal with it was because of his faith in his God. And he was able to overcome that. Of course, David had many times in his life when he was in trouble. And I think that's kind of like us today, isn't it? Uh, I would like to think that the Christian life is free without any trouble. Wouldn't that be great? But that is not the case, is it? Uh, now, don't get me wrong. There's a lot, there's a lot of blessings for knowing Christ I mean if you're here today and you're not saved and you're thinking well why would I want a, a life of all trouble well yeah I agree with you but it's not all trouble There's a lot of blessings God is good God is so good to me I have received more than I ever deserved and I think that's because of God's love and his tender care over me as his child but yeah from time to time we find ourselves in trouble, just like David. He found himself in trouble. And there's one incident that comes to mind that I think about David's life. And if you want to just keep that place in Psalm, we're going to get back to there. But if you want to turn to Second Samuel chapter 16, 2 Samuel chapter 16. And this was a time when David was at the, uh, the latter part of his life. I mean, he had gone through the younger years of running from Saul. He had gone through the years of being king and fighting the battles and having the victories and uh, having his children and seeing his kingdom prosper and his, uh, the, the country expanding and all the blessings of God and bringing the Ark of the Covenant to the city of Jerusalem and setting up all of these things for worship and all the things that God would use. But yet, in that latter part of his life, he had some troubles. And here we see it in chapter 15, his own flesh and blood, his own son. I can't imagine, as a parent, thinking about your own child turning against you. And and, and I don't mean just turning against you, wanting to kill you, but that's what he's facing. He's facing death by his own son, Absalom. And not only that, but his closest advisor, his counselor that he relied on for uh, good advice and good counsel, Ahithophel, has now aligned himself with his own son, Absalom, and now is counseling his son to kill him. More than that, as we look here, if you read through chapter 15 to chapter 16, we see a close friend, Mephibosheth. I mean, here's a man that could have lost it all. But David took it upon himself to bring it into his own home and say, you can set your feet under my own table and you can eat with me and sup with me and fellowship with me right here in the confines of my own home. And he hears words from his servant, Mephibosheth, he's turned on you. He's just waiting for the time. When things will be set right for the house of Saul. And then we see in chapter 16 again, here's a man, Simei. He's come out of the city, verse 5. You can read while I'm speaking here. And Simeon, just to save time here, he's of the house of Saul. And as David leaves the city of Jerusalem, he's fleeing for his life. He's got his family, those who are loyal to him, his loyal soldiers, his, his guard. They're leaving the city of Jerusalem. They're crossing the Kindred Valley. They're heading up by the Mount of Olives. They're heading to cross over the, the Jordan River to safety. And here's a man from the house of Saul coming out and literally cursing the king. And saying terrible things against him. And you know what he's saying? I'm just going to bring it up to maybe our vernacular day. He's saying, David, you're getting exactly what you deserve. I mean, you deserve everything you get. So not only is it his family, not only is it his friends, but his enemies <laughs> are now rising above him and taunting him. That's a a troubled place. I I I would think that would be a troubled place. But you know what? David, praise the Lord, was a man of God. And you know, it's encouraging for us, Christian. Troubles come to people who love the Lord. And you can rise above them. You can rise above them. But you gotta have some spiritual discernment. You gotta have some understanding. And notice here, we look here in verse 11. Here's, here's David, because one of the bodyguards of David, actually his nephew, Abishai, he said, David, why don't I just go and take off that man's head? <laughs> we can deal with this real quick here. And notice David's response. He said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold, my son, which came forth of my bowels, seeketh my life. How much more now may this Benjamin do it. Let him alone and let him curse, for the Lord hath bidden him. There's some insight. David recognized that this isn't just from him. This is God working. God is doing this for a purpose, for a reason. We go on here in verse 12. It may be that the Lord will look on mine affliction and that the Lord will requite me good this day for his uh, his cursing this day. And as David and his men went by the way, Shimei went along on the hillside over against him and cursed as he went and threw stones at him and cast dust. Can I just draw attention to the verse 11? Let him alone and let him curse. For the Lord hath bidden him, verse 12. And that the Lord will requite me good for his cursing this day. You know, I think David realized God was, had a purpose. And what was the purpose? That he would teach David a spiritual lesson from all of this. You see, David recognized the fact that he was, interest, he was entering God's classroom. God's classroom. You know, God doesn't always use a classroom as we think of it. Sometimes he uses a classroom in the circumstances of our life to teach us some spiritual lessons. And I think David understood that And he said, listen, this is God working. And we got to let God do his work in our life. And so David had some spiritual discernment to allow God to do that. Let me ask you this question today. Are you willing? Christian, are you willing to enter the Lord's classroom to learn the lessons he wants to teach you? Because sometimes we're not willing, are we? Sometimes we say, Lord, I I don't want to learn that lesson. Lord, I, I, I... I don't want to go that route. I don't want to do this. I want you to to kind of arrange things so I don't have to go this way, that I don't have to face this battle, so I don't have to have this hurt in my life. But David understood, you know, God has a purpose for it. And so we've got to allow God to work in our life in all circumstances, good and good. And the bad. Because sometimes God's classrooms, they're not for our choosing. I don't choose the circumstances. God does. And we got to let him do his work. Most of us would opt for a comfortable, pleasurable setting in which to gain understanding. But God knows the best way to instill wisdom and may choose pain and trouble as the place of instructions. And so today... I have three reasons we should have a proper spirit when we enter God's classroom. And I see that, we, we see that here in Psalms. Let's go back to Psalm chapter 25. And I have three reasons why David could allow God to work in his life. And I think we can learn from that. Number one, the first reason, because God has delivered us. God has delivered us. Notice he says in verse 4, Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me. For thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. Here we see in that verse, Teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. You know, David At the end of that story, he was was rescued from his enemies. Now, when it came to do the battle with Absalom and his army, the children of Israel, his his family, and all those that were with him that had fled for their own safety, they came to David. And they said, David, you will not fight this battle. You will not go to war. Now, I'm sure David, he was well-prepared and well-able to go. But they says you're not going. We're going to go for you. And so, you know, I think David had to do something very difficult. He had to stay back, and he had to wait. And he had to wait for the news to come to him of what happened in battle. And, of course, we know the story, how after the battle, the news came back that David's forces were victorious, and that David's enemy, his own son Absalom, had been killed. But David says here, I have been rescued. I have been delivered from death. And he recognized that it came from his God. You know, may that remind us, regardless of what we're going through, Regardless of what we may face in our life, let's remember, we as born-again believers who trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, we have been spared the wrath of God. And we don't have to worry about that anymore. No matter how bad this world gets, no matter how bad life may be for us, we have been delivered from sin and the penalty of sin. But we have to wait, don't we? Because it's, it's not over yet. Now there's a final victory. And that's when we get to heaven. When we get to heaven, we will be fully delivered. But right now we have to deal with sin. We have to deal with the fallen world. We have to deal with a, a, a body that is still susceptible to sin. We still have to deal with uh, the, our enemy, Satan. We have... We have many things to deal with, but I'm here to tell you one day we will be fully delivered Amen. through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Yeah. Why? Because of the cross. Yeah. We sang about it this morning. We've referenced it this morning and we've been, and it's all because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus Christ took our punishment for us. We deserved it, I deserved it, but Jesus Christ died for me. Amen. Just before the service there, I, re- I turned over to John chapter 19, and I read that verse that I remember so much, and it says this, and Jesus bearing his cross. That was his cross. Jesus died for me on his cross. It wasn't my cross. Now, I deserved to be on that cross. But Jesus Christ loved me. and He said, I'll die for you. I'll take the pain. I'll take the punishment. And I'll shed my blood because I love you. And he died on his cross. Now, we all have a cross to bear, right? Every cross, everybody here has a cross. And every cross would be different from the next person. But that was his cross. And I'm so thankful. He died on his cross for me. And if you're here today and you're not saved, he died for you. He shed his blood for you. And he wants you to know that he loves you and cares for you. And all you have to do is come and receive salvation full and free. For by the grace of God, for by God's grace, He's given that. Another reason is because God has extended His mercy, His mercy towards us. Notice it says in verse, uh, verse six. Remember, O Lord, Thy tender mercies and Thy loving kindness, for they have been ever of old. Remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to thy mercy, remember thou me for thy goodness sake, O Lord. The key word in that little passage there that I just read is the word remember. Three times. You know, I believe the scripture just has to say something one time for it to be important, right? But I think if God said for us... To remember something three times, I think we need to remember. And there are some things we need to remember. Now, the word remember means to mark. And the fact that you mark it, so you recognize it. So it's recognizable. Remember. Notice David said here, he said, remember... Uh, o Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindness, for they have been ever of old. You know, David could reach back into Israel's history and he could remember the times that God had been merciful to his children. I mean, during the time that uh, they were in Egypt and God delivered them and brought them out, And they crossed the Red Sea, and they entered the wilderness, and there he supplied their needs day and night until they reached the promised land. That was God's mercy. And that's that's all documented for us in the Word of God. And so we can mark that, right? David marked that. He remembered that. Things of old, these things have happened a long time ago, and I still remember them. Even in his own life, David could remember God's mercy. Not only God's mercy, but God's forgiveness. Was David perfect? No. He made a lot of mistakes, (laughs) he made a lot of big mistakes. But he remembered God forgave him. Even though he didn't deserve it, he never forgot that. He never forgot how God had forgiven him of his own sins. He says here in verse 7 Remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. You know, when I went to school, it was usually in every classroom, there was a chalkboard with the white chalk and eraser, and every once in a while, the teacher had to, uh, you know, erase the board. And, you know, sometimes it just didn't erase that good. You had to get some, you know, sometimes she'd have uh, a, one of the students go and get a, a wet paper towel or something and just wash it off. Today, what do we got? They don't have blackboards anymore. I don't think. I think they use whiteboards. They call them dry erase boards. Do you know why teachers love their whiteboards? Because they're remarkable. You know why David loved the Lord? You know why David just appreciated the mercy and the forgiveness of God? Because God's mercy is remarkable. Amen. When we fail, when we sin, when we make mistakes, praise God when we come and we ask for forgiveness and we repent. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us Amen. from all, all unrighteousness. I mean, it is wiped away, wiped away, white again. Why? Because of the blood of Christ. And David recognized that. He said, that is, that's God's mercy. May we never forget, may we never forget God's mercy in our life. What we have received from God that we don't deserve, that's God's grace, but what we don't get, that we did deserve, that's God's mercy. And David remembered that. He says, "I can learn, I can enter this troubled time in my life. Why? Because of God's mercy in my life. Not only that, but when we think about it, not are we to remember. God's forgiveness, not only to remember God's mercy, but notice what it says here. According to thy mercy, remember thou me, verse 7, for thy goodness sake, O Lord. You know, another thing that we use in our classrooms when we study, maybe use them when you read your Bible, when you read a book, you ever use a highlighter? I think we all know what a highlighter is. It's a, it's a pen. It's a marker. David says, let's remember. Let's mark some things, right? Let's mark some things. David said, let's mark the goodness of God. God been good to you? Amen. Mark it. <laughs> remember it. Yeah. Don't forget it. Mark those good times. Amen. Mark those things that, have, that God has encouraged you. Because they're the goodness of God. Mark them in your mind. Now, it's not a literal marking, but it's a spiritual marking. It's a mental marking. Mark those times in your mind. Why? Because sometimes we get stressed. Sometimes we, we tend to forget, especially when we're stressed, don't we? You get stressed, you get in some trouble, you get some trials in your life, you get some troubling times, and you don't always remember all of these things, don't you? I know I do. I know sometimes I forget because I get so focused on the circumstance, so focused on the trial, so focused on the trouble that my mind gets focused, you know, I forget all of these things. So that's why we need to mark, we need to remember some things. Remember the goodness of God. You know, it's an interesting passage over in the Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. It says, let the, word of God, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. You ever been in a time of trial and all you could do was think of a song? You thought of a song. That, you know, it might have been a song you learned in Sunday school. It might have been a song you heard in church. Maybe a hymn you heard your whole life and all of a sudden God gave you a song. And you could just sing it. And just it just picked you up. It just helped you. It got you through that time. That's what I'm talking about. That's a marker. That's, that's remembering God and when the goodness of God in your life. You say, well, how do you get those markers? Learn these songs. Learn the songs that we sing. Not only that, sing the songs. Sing them and learn them. Why? So you'll mark them in your mind. Not only that, learn God's word. Memorize God's word. You say, well, preacher, I can't memorize a verse. I can't do memory. (laughs) Well, you could if you tried. If you tried. You could memorize a verse, and that will get you through that difficult time because it's a marker. You say, well, what are markers, you know, the highlighters, you use them to highlight a passage or a highlight a truth so you don't have to go back and read the whole book over again. Right? That's what you do that for. You highlight your notes so you don't have to go back and read it all over again. Well, that's what you're doing. You're highlighting so you don't have to go back over everything. You can just remember one thing or a few important things that will help you in your time Uh, when you want to remember and think about God's mercy. And that's what David did. He remembered the mercy of God. And then point number three. Another reason is because God is looking for those who will learn. Notice it says in verse 8. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he will teach The perfect in the way. Is that what it says? Oh. Therefore, he will teach the intelligent and the smartest in the way. No. What does it say? Therefore, he will teach sinners. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. There's hope for me. God's not looking for the smartest. He's not looking for the perfect. You know what he's looking for? He's looking for the humble. The sinners. Those who know they're sinners. Those who know that they don't deserve anything. They recognize where they come from. I'm not saying they're, they're, you know, they don't understand the fact that God loves them, but I'm just saying they, they just know. Whatever I receive from God, it's a blessing. And you know, he says, God's, that's who God's looking for. He's looking for sinners. Notice it says, continue on here in verse 9, the meek will he guide in judgment. The meek. You know, that's so opposite of the world, isn't it? Isn't it opposite of this, this whole world that we live? What are they looking for? People are looking, they want to follow the strong. Right? They want to follow the victorious. Uh, It doesn't matter how they got there. They want to follow the wealthy. It doesn't matter how they got their wealth, what they did. But God, He's looking for the meek, the truly meek. People who will say, you know, I'll come to God and I'll learn. That's who God's looking for. People who will come and are willing to learn. You know what we talk we call that teachable? Are you a teachable, Christian? Because sometimes if we're not careful, we can be unteachable. We can say, well, I don't need to learn this. I, I don't need this. God's looking for someone who can he can. Teach David. He was an old man. He had lived his life. He had learned so many things, and yet David says, "Lord, I am still teachable. I am still meek." You know, the in sometimes, uh, well, I got three signs. Maybe you're here tonight, and you say, "Well." That's not me, preacher. Well, let me give you three signs of a person who's unteachable. A person that thinks your way is best. You ever run across that person? My way is best, even though it's failing. Even though it doesn't work, I'm still doing it the best way. That's unteachable. Another... Sign is getting offended when you're being corrected. Oh boy. Nobody likes to be corrected. Nobody likes to be told they're doing something wrong. But you know, that's how we learn, isn't it? <laughs> that's how we learn. We learn by our mistakes. We call that the university of life, right? the school of hard knocks. Someone comes along and says, hey, you're doing this wrong. You need to do it this way. We gotta listen. And then, appearing to be receptive to instruction, correction and rebuke, but secretly rejecting it in our hearts. Now that third one, that's what we gotta be careful of. That we don't get so proud that we think, well, that's your way. That's what you think. But inside, I know I'm right. Be careful. Because God can still teach us some things. The Word of God can still do its work in our life. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15 says, The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. God's looking for people he can teach. Whatever stage you're in in your life, God can still teach you a spiritual lesson. We need a meek spirit, don't we? What's meekness? We don't, like I say, we don't hear about meekness today. It's not one of those uh, attributes that uh, the, the world around us is lifting up and saying, hey, this is what you need to be. But we see it in the Bible. The meek shall inherit the earth. The meek. You know, the meek can be described as a tame horse. A horse has great power. But who wants to ride a wild horse? Some crazy cowboys at a rodeo. But not me. (laughs) I want a horse that's tamed. I want a horse that will be gentle, even though the strength is there, but it can be gentle. It is also described as a gently cooling breeze on a hot day. Oh, isn't that nice? Being on the, being outside hot day and you got that beautiful, cool breeze blowing on your face, you know, just cooling you off. Just a gentle breeze, that's the that's, that's sign of meekness. Nobody wants to be out in a hurricane, <laughs> a tornado. The wind is a very powerful force. Do a lot of destruction, but that's not going to help. We want a gentle cooling breeze on a hot day. It can also be a healing medicine. There's a lot of drugs out there. A lot of drugs. But I want a medicine that's going to heal my body. Not make me addicted. Not destroy my life. I want a a medicine that's going to heal me. And make me whole again. See, that's meekness. That's power under control. Of course, what's the greatest illustration of meekness the world has ever seen? Jesus Christ on the cross. Our Savior dying for us, shedding his blood, being held there by his love for us. That's meekness. And so God's looking for meek people who can be strong yet can control themselves and let God teach them and show them some spiritual truths so they can be a better Christian. So they can go on and serve the Lord and follow Him. In conclusion this morning, you know, He will transform trials into times of learning when we look to Him for guidance. Looking to the Lord for guidance. You know, uh, Let's turn back to 2 Samuel again, but this time, let's go to 2 Samuel 19 because we have the end of the story. In 2 Samuel 19, praise the Lord, and because of God's goodness and and because of the faithfulness of David's men, David could return back home and be king. And he was, uh, he, he was able to come back. And on his way home, we see in chapter 19, we see some people come out and meet David. One of them, we see in verse 16, in Shimei, the son of Gera, a Benjamite, he came out to meet David. And what did he do? Remember him? He was the one cursing David and throwing stones and and telling David, you're getting exactly what you deserve. And now he's coming out repenting. And what did David say to him? Well, we see here, David forgave him. He forgave him. He forgave that man for all the things he said. I think David learned something. I think David got the lesson. Not only that, but when Mephibosheth, he came and met David in verse 24. He came down and David asked him, why why did you not come out? Why did you not go with me? And he said, well, my servant had tricked me. I didn't know he was doing all that. He wouldn't take me. And David forgave him. You know, sometimes the hardest thing to do in the Christian life is to forgive, especially when people hurt us. You know, David, he had had some real hurt in his life. He felt it. But David learned a lesson. God had forgiven him, and he could forgive them. And that's a lesson for all of us. When we think about the cross, and we think about what Christ did for us and how he forgave us, can we not forgive others? Can we not forgive them? Sure we can. If we'll listen and allow Lord to teach us and guide us, and direct us in our life. Don't be afraid to enter God's classroom. Don't be afraid to let the Lord bring you into a situation because when you come out, you're going to be better than you were before. You'll be better. You'll be a better Christian. That's why God, Jesus Christ said, To those who followed him, he said this, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls. That's the key right there. We want rest. Do you have rest today? Do you have peace You know, the first step to having peace, the first step of having that rest is to know Jesus Christ is your Savior. Would you humble yourself? If you're here today and you're not saved, would you humble yourself, put away the pride, put away all the things that you're telling yourself why you shouldn't be a Christian, why you shouldn't receive Christ? Put those aside and would you come and receive Him today as your personal Savior? Because that's the first step to being teachable. That's the first step to letting God begin to work in your life and lead you to that rest that he has for your soul. Maybe you're here today, and you're refusing to allow God to teach you. You're saying, well, preacher, I I got it all set. I'm all right. I'm fine, and... I'm just where I want to be. Don't be like that. Allow God to work in your life. Let Him teach you. Let Him bring you. Let let Him teach you some spiritual lessons so that you can be a better Christian. So you can be a servant and be useful for the Lord. Let's never get to the place where we cannot learn something never get to that place and maybe you're here going through the trial you're getting discouraged remember this remember God's promises God is going to get you through he's going to get you through no matter what you're facing he's going to get you through it and on you'll be better for it on the other side don't 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 be don't let discouragement keep you back from the promises that God has for you. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Dear God and Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your blessings. Lord, we just thank you for, uh, yes, Lord, the troubles. Sometimes the world doesn't understand that, how we could pray such a thing and, and actually believe such a thing, but that a trouble, a trial, could actually be a blessing. Because it brings us to our knees. It brings us to the place that we enter the throne room of God. And we communicate and have relationship with you. So they don't understand. But we do. We understand that. And we we pray, Lord, that as we follow these truths and remember these things... We understand that we've been delivered. We understand that we have received the mercy of God. We understand we need to be teachable. Lord, just guide and direct us in our life as we go from here today. And Lord, we pray again, maybe there's one here that's not saved. I pray they'd come and trust Jesus Christ as our Savior. they look to the cross. May there's one here that's going through a difficult time. May they trust the Lord. And let him work in their life and be faithful. And we ask all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We're going to have a song of invitation. Let's all stand together as we uh, think about what we've heard this morning. If God's working in your heart this, today, maybe you're here today and you're not saved, why don't you come? We'll have someone take a Bible and show you how you can know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. All you got to do is come. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that are heavy and you're heavy laden, burdened down, come this morning and he'll give you rest. Christian, are you struggling? You're struggling today, going through a difficult time. We all know how you feel. We've all been there. Why don't you come? Take that difficult time in your life and let God teach you. Let Him bring you to a better place so you have a closer relationship with the Lord. Whatever it is, as we sing this song, you come.